Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome back to the All Things Renovation Kitchen Series. I'm Brandy, aka the Boss Lady, and... I'm Paul, and today we're going to get into some of the sexy stuff, cabinetry. There's lots to talk about in this segment, kitchen cabinetry styles, materials, construction types, and more. There's so many styles of kitchens, cottage, farmhouse, modern, uh, craftsman, rustic, traditional modern, French, Italian, eclectic, Mediterranean, but they all fall into two main buckets, if you will, traditional and contemporary. And by now, after putting together your dream boards, you will most likely see the direction you'll be headed in and that there are a multitude of ways you can personalize things to your needs. Traditional kitchens usually have more decorative elements like crown moldings, whereas contemporary usually have cleaner, sleeker lines. Timeless kitchens are usually a bit of the traditional and a modern hybrid and don't happen to follow the trend of the day. I'm thinking like, Harvest gold appliances, kitchen carpet, and tile countertops here. Now, most kitchens these days are what we call fitted, which basically means they are mounted to the walls and run floor to ceiling around the perimeter of the room versus the olden days that had standalone cookers, a central table, and armoire style cabinetry. Now, there are a few different quality grades and construction style categories to consider, and Paul's in the house today, so I'm going to have him take over the mic for a bit and, you know, especially seeing how he is the wood magician. So Paul, take us through it. I'd say there are three main categories for quality and customization. Uh, number one being the modular big box. Um, that would be often fat packed with divorce inducing tools. If you could call them that, and they're included to allow the homeowner to assemble themselves. Uh, cabinets only come in incremental sizes, usually two to three inches from one size of cabinet to the next. So at the end of the run or length of wall, there's often a bit of a gap that no cabinet will fill and you'll end up with a bit of wasted space and a large filler panel will be needed. Uh, number two would be a custom modular, similar cabinetry construction, but these will be uh, made in a cabinet shop, so you'll be able to customize your sizes a little more. Um, and maybe not their detailing as much. Um, this is a very often uh, popular style of cabinetry, and you'll see it in most condominiums and a lot of homes. Um, number three would be your fully customized, and as the name suggests, this option allows anything and everything to be fully customized from dimensions to fine detailing. Uh, this would be more like a furniture grade, and the quality should be a top level at this price, and you will pay considerably more. Uh, within these categories, there's a few different construction tiles that impact the fit and finish as well as the price point. What I mean by this is the doors and drawers can be interact with the carcasses in different ways and how the cabinets are assembled. And for those of you who don't know the term carcass in relation to how it applies to cabinetry, a carcass is what you see when you open your doors and it is comprised of a top, a bottom, and the sides, and often a back. Yeah, an assembly of the carcass for cheap mass-produced cabinetry is usually stapled or pinned and sometimes doesn't even include a back and you really do get what you pay for here. 
uh, better quality and value production cabinets is usually doweled and screwed. Uh, custom high quality is usually more traditional styles of joinery such as dados or rebates, tenons, biscuits, and dowels. And they should be glued and clamped and probably screwed together if not. Uh, doors can be fitted into cabinetry in different ways as well. Uh, you have a full overlay, a half overlay, an inset, and then a face frame. Full overlay is the most common these days and your best value for the dollar. This means that the doors and the drawers fully cover the carcass frame components, the sides, the tops, and the bottoms. And half overlay, well, I'm just going to say it. It's weird. And in our 20 years, no client has ever asked for this style. But it would partially cover the carcass members, and it was pretty common in them in the 60s and 70s, and usually had that really ugly oak wild grain pattern and all that kind of stuff that we all just absolutely hate. Yeah, and there was usually a sort of a chrome or antique brass uh, hinge that was screwed onto the front. Yeah, no, it just, and, there, there was yeah. really nothing good about it. It was you'll, ugly. You'll still see a lot of them in old houses. Uh, number two or three, I guess, would be the inset, and this is where the doors sit inside the carcass frame, and that's more like furniture, I suppose. Uh, but really what furniture is, is face frame. And this is where there's a wider wood of frame applied to the cabinetry. And it's usually one and a quarter to one and a half inches wide. Um, and then the door itself is inset into that frame and there'll be a small gap that goes around it. Uh, and this is the most traditional style and also by far the most expensive. Uh, cabinetry as a whole is broken under the variety of components. Uh, you have your doors and your drawer styles. Uh, shaker style, which is very popular, and that's traditional and can also be contemporary. Uh, you have a raised panel style, and those are very traditional, and that would include all kinds of embellishments. Uh, beading, your raised panel can be of different shapes, um, and even the edges of the doors can be uh, altered as well with detail. And then a third choice would be a flat or a slab panel, and this is definitely a far more contemporary modern uh, style. Uh, it's also a little more budget friendly as it's fairly simple. And carcasses, uh, that's the cabinets themselves, uh, they are commonly on the budget friendly would be a melamine material, most commonly white, but it can also come in different colors and wood greens as well. Um, and the other option usually a pre-finished plywood, and that's often a maple or a birch. Um, so I know we have a preference, which is the pre-finished plywood. Um, and I, I know for a variety of reasons, by why, why don't you share those? Well, from a builder's point of view, I'll just go through that first. Uh, it's a lot lighter and a lot less dusty and a lot nicer to work with. Um, so that's... From construction point of view, I love it. Um, but I think the main thing is for construction-wise, it just, it's just better. Um, if when you're putting your hinges on, uh, you're not drilling into particle board, you're drilling into plywood, which is just much more stable. And over time, the hinge will not come loose. Uh, also, I find the plywood um, is better for moisture. I mean, obviously, if you've got a lot of water in the cabinet, it's still going to damage it, but if you have small amounts, a bit of water sitting there overnight, uh, it's not going to bulge like a particle board material would. Um, so I find that also, I think it just looks nicer personally. Yeah, no, you definitely have a little bit more of a luxurious looking yeah. uh, in interior of your yeah. cabinet. Not like you cannot no. you know, 
I mean, you could say that melamine perhaps is a little more durable over time as far as sliding dishes and all that. But I think if you have plywood, you can easily put a, a thin well, you can put your shelf, um, protectors. shelf protectors yeah. and whatever on. Um, we haven't had an issue in ours with it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, hands down, we prefer it. Yeah, so I think it's just, if, if you can do it, I would yeah. It's worth a small price for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then we're into drawer boxes. Um, our preferred are solid maple dovetailed. Um, you can get a plywood with a locking joint. Uh, it's a simpler. Uh, they're a little tricky to find. Uh, third would be the melamine nailed, which would be your budget-friendly one. You see a lot of those. Uh, those probably will not last over time. And of course, your other option is a metal-sided custom box, and you will see a lot of that in the European cabinetry. It comes in from from Europe, mainly Italy. Uh, very expensive. Um, they sort of come pre-done. And I would say too, like your dovetailed drawer box will probably outlast you and your house whereas the melamine one would disintegrate over time and not be uh something that you could pass on to you know you know, eventually they just fall apart yeah, yeah for sure okay that brings us now to materials um i guess the sexy part of the kitchen uh wood of course comes in a variety of species and cuts you got your oak your maples your birch your walnuts and your cherries they're pretty common ones, and if you want to stay with something that's a bit harder to stand up to wear and tear versus pine, which stands easily and was all the reach for a distressed look in the 90s. And the cut refers to how the tree was machined into planks and how the grain appears. Basically how the log is milled and cut and what angle to the center of it. Flat or a plain sawn cut, uh, that would be more of a wilder grain. You have the cathedrals, very popular in the 70s with the oak. Uh, the rift cut, that would be a straight grain. Uh, white oak is very popular right now uh, versus the 1970s red oak kitchen. And the final coat would be a quarter song. Uh, it's a straight grain as well, but it can show rays or flex in the wood. This would be common in the white oak. Um, you would have a paint grade, and those you would probably use a wood uh, like a poplar or a maple because uh, you're going to paint over those and they're very smooth. And then also you have your MDF as well. Uh, and your other option for materials in a door would be your vinyl or thermofoil or laminate. Uh, often these materials can be high gloss to meet a very modern aesthetic. So what, do, I mean, we've had so many clients do a whole bunch of different things and, you know, we do tend to have people come with more traditional houses or heritage houses and that kind of thing. But what would you say most of our clients end up choosing these days? Uh, it's pretty common as a shaker door style. Uh, that one may never be totally in fashion, but it never seems to be out of fashion. And it seems to be a good choice to just last forever as far as style-wise. And then from a material standpoint, you know, we're, what would you say? I think we get a lot of cherry, a lot of uh, white oak, um, and we do get a lot of painted. Yeah, you get a lot of painted. Uh, and we also get a lot of mixing of materials. So we have something in the perimeter or the working areas of the kitchen, and then maybe the island or a peninsula has a different wood, a different finish that kind of gives it a different personality. Yeah, I think I think a, a natural wood and then a combination of a painted somewhere in the kitchen seems to be fairly popular as well. Yeah. So um, 
talking about different sort of finishes or whatever, there's obviously some pros and cons for both the painted and the natural wood look. Um, do you want to talk about those? Yeah. I mean, paint, uh, we have it in our kitchen as well as wood. Um, pros and cons. <laughs> well, it lightens up the space, no question about that. Um, it's easy to clean for the most part. I think the cons are like a new car when it gets dinged or scratched it's not easily fixed um that's not doesn't camouflage anything no you're gonna notice right away um whereas the woods over time little dings and scratches they just sort of blend in to be honest with you or they're also much easier to fix you can touch them up a lot easier with a touch-up stick or a little bit of oil uh, is where the paint you can put on a little dab of paint but just like trying to touch up your car scratch you're gonna see it um, yeah, and then of course, if we have a shaker door that's going to be painted, we do often sort of counsel clients and give them a bit of a disclaimer because the the frame of the styles and the rails that make up the, the door itself, and then there's the panel that is in the inside of that, oftentimes, you know, there might be a little bit of cracking within that as well as where the joints come together yes. um, to make the actual frame. And it's not every door... I wouldn't say, would you? No. No. Um, but definitely there's usually one or two doors, maybe over a period of four or five years that someone notices that there's a crack. Yeah, there will be a slight movement with the wood, uh, depending on the seasonal changes. Um, for sure, if you were to build some cabinetry or have it painted and then shift it off to, say, Edmonton, where their humidity is much less than here, you will have considerable movement, and I guarantee you will have some cracking where the joints are. Here we found minimal uh, in our kitchen. We do have a few areas, um, but it's really not that noticeable, but it's definitely something to tell your clients because some will be more particular than others and they will know. And if you warn them beforehand, <laughs> it's gonna save you some grief two years down the road. Forewarned is forearmed, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get into some hardware options. Um, we have a bunch of different things that we can talk about there. Yeah, um, I guess your typical thing is your European hardware. And the reason I call it European hardware is that's where it comes from, mostly Germany. Um, and of course, those are your self soft closing uh, full extension slides for your drawers. Um, and they usually undermount, but in the past you can get them on the side. But right now, it seems that everybody's doing the undermount, and they're fabulous because you don't see them. You get a maximum width in your drawer and depth. Also, if you happen to spill something on the side of your drawer, it doesn't end up on the hardware. Whereas the old side slides uh, with the bearings, it's yeah, they got, got all in there. Gummy. They got all gummy over time, and they're just never the, seen. The only downfall to European hardware is if you're having a fight in the kitchen, you can't slam a door or a drawer. So. Nope, they, uh, they soft beautifully. Um, <laughs> it's not very dramatic. <laughs> no, but they're the way to go. They're just, once you have them, you're never going back. Um, yeah, so if you're doing a more traditional uh, style cabinetry, uh, you're, well, if you're going real traditional, you're going to use your butt hinges and you're going to do a wood on wood slide for your drawers. Um, you can do a traditional face frame and still have a European hinge inset on the inside gives you a look of the nice clean traditional but you all have a soft closed door um, but if you're really traditional you're going to do the butt hinge which becomes more expensive but you're going to have to close and open that on your own every time 
Um, and then of course you have your specialty hardware, which is endless these days. Um, you can do all kinds of things for those horrible blind corner cabinets. Uh, you can do pull-out pantries. You've got drawer organization. You can do pan dividers, um, spice drawers. Yeah, there's a lot of different hardware solutions, some of which actually do work and others, nah, I don't yes. know, we've had some clients put yeah. them in and they're not always the best, but no. um, there are a whole bunch of different options as far as, you know, potential solutions for different areas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess the final bit of hardware and probably the hardest for a lot of people, and that would be the decorative part, which is the knobs and the handles and the bits that you actually see and your hand has to actually go in there to open them. And has anyone's been to Lee Valley or Richelieu, the choices are... Yeah, or online or whatever. Well, overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, which can be a challenge. I think a lot of people wait until the kitchen's installed and then they make their final yeah. choice. But again, you can go back to like your dream boards or what have you and like really see what they had in, in those pictures and mimic that because clearly... Yeah, you know, the picture's online for a reason, yeah. <laughs> and all those components came together in harmony. Yeah. That's why you like the photo in the yeah, first place. Yeah, and it can get a bit challenging because you fall in love with a knob that's 9 or $10, and then you realize you need to get 70 of them. Yeah, no, it can get a bit pricey uh, for sure. Yeah, you got to keep that yeah. in mind when you're, when you're looking. Yeah. I mean, I, so now that we've sort of gotten through all the different, um, I guess, the different elements or things that go into cabinetry, um, People or clients often ask us for suggestions on ways to, to maximize their cabinetry function. And some of that is the hardware we were just talking about. But oftentimes, um, you know, people are like, you know, I hate getting into the back corner of that cabinet and open the door and things get lost in the back. So I would say a lot of people are going more towards having drawers than doors in their lower units. Um, or maybe having some pullouts that are behind doors if they don't want to see a whole bunch of door fronts. Um, and a lot of people are going to a uh, narrow sort of full height pantry um, to be able to, you know, house a standard uh, cereal box and that kind of thing. And then, of course, uh, way back in the day, you know, there was often like a bulkhead that had nothing in it. There was no reason for it other than that was what the design trend of the day was. So a lot of people are extending their upper cabinets full height right to the ceiling, um, sometimes with a little bit of trim, sometimes a little bit of a drop. Um, which adds a lot of additional shelves and yes you, maybe you can't reach the very top ones but you know you put the things that you don't use every day up there um, and then uh, I would say you know other suggestions for for detailing and I mean we're totally going to geek out here I've got a whole list of them <laughs> going to get a bit into the weeds but um, you know to really make your kitchen shine uh, the the detailing is really what sets it apart from a a standard everyday uh, modular or big box store kind of product. Um, the applied end panels, which means like your carcasses have plywood or melamine and then you don't want to see that so you have a panel that goes on the end of an exposed end and we want to have those that are flush to the cabinetry doors um, and that are scribed to the wall versus being held back from the line of the doors. Um, a valence strip that goes underneath your upper cabinets to uh, hide your undercounter lighting. Um, oftentimes a cheap and cheerful type of product, uh, they'll just throw an extra bottom in uh, inside your cabinet so when you open up your doors you kind of see two layers of um, material there 
uh, because they have to drill the hole for the light and then the light itself has a thickness so they just drill right through the bottom and then you got to put extra shelf to cover the hole. Um, and if we use a valence strip and a, and a little panel underneath that closes all that off, it's a much finer detailed uh, version and I think it looks a lot nicer. Um, fridge panels on each side of your fridge so you're not seeing any of the carcass of the outside of the metal part. Um, it also allows you to have a full depth cabinet above uh, the fridge itself. Again, like there's going to be some deepest, darkest things up there that maybe you never have to get to on a regular basis, like what vases or um, in mine, I have my slow cooker up there, for instance, because I use it maybe once every couple of months. Um, and microwaves. Oh, there's always an issue with microwaves. Um, where do we put them? How do we detail them? Because a uh, microwave in an upper cabinet, the upper cabinets are usually 12 or 13 inches deep. A microwave is usually like 16, 18, 20 inches deep. So how do you make that work? In a, a cheaper or more run-of-the-mill type of uh, solution, there'll just be a shelf sticking out. Um, if you're going to do some pretty customized uh, cabinetry, oftentimes that whole cabinet would be a little bit deeper than the other uppers. Um, other times people will put it in a lower, like underneath the countertop. Um, so that, you know, is another option. Um, now, a raised dishwasher with a mm -hmm. drawer underneath. Uh, I'll let Paul speak to this one because this the first time I ever saw this was at his mom's house. Anyway. Yes. Uh, we're going back in the 70s here. My parents' old crummy kitchen. Uh, we finally got a dishwasher. Um, and my dad raised it off the floor because we could. It was a basic kitchen that was need of desperate need of work but we needed a dishwasher ASAP so my dad put it in and put it in higher I think about eight inches off the floor no it must no, be more 12 than at least 12 12, 12 inches yeah because there's a drawer underneath and then there's a kick um, which was great because you're not bending over anywhere near as much uh, the only issue with it is of course um, your run of countertop is abrupted because now your dishwasher is now raised up so you have to somehow integrate yeah that dishwasher um so it's only been used <laughs> a handful of times in all the years we've done it uh it sounds great but it just doesn't really work in most kitchens unless you just have the space or the yeah, ability yeah because it, it does need to be close to your sink yeah in, in reality and but in means, your parents' case, you think you know your mom doesn't have to bend over to put stuff. No, in the and they have enough space there that they can shove it two feet over from the sink, and there's a cabinets raised, and it's not yeah. an issue. But a lot of people, it just doesn't work. You're you're scraping for counter space as it is in these old houses. Yeah, yeah. And the I agree. last thing you want to do is lose two feet because you want your dishwasher up. <laughs> well, it is it is an option if you have enough space. It is sure. an option. It, it is it and it worked great. I have to say, yeah. it works really well. Um, now, we sort of did mention some specialty hardware uh, for blind corners or what have you um, just a few minutes ago, but uh, the corner cabinet in any kitchen is an interior designer's, like, the bane of their existence. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different options that you can consider when trying to populate that area, you know, from Lazy Susans to crazy drawers that kind of come out on an angle. I've seen so many pictures of those, I can't even tell you. I just want to, like obliterate that from like any image that's available online because they really don't function that well even though they are kind of fun and interesting to look at um, but one that we have had lots of success lots of success with 
And many of our clients, almost every client that we've had yeah. over the last number of 10 years probably, yeah. has used this um, Le Mans pullout. It's a German-designed uh, piece of hardware, and it kind of serpentines out from the corner cabinet and super smooth. You can populate and put a bunch of stuff on, on the shelves that slide out on the trays. Um, but... Uh, uh, hands down, I think that's the one. That it's the best. It's a little bit pricey, but it functions the best, yeah. and um, we it just also, love it. It also gives you, um, you're only using one part of the corner, so you can have a traditional yeah. cabinet on the yeah. other side. It, it only gets tricky if you have a stove or something close by that might that interfere with it pulling out. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's you can still get it to work. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely uh, Kessenbaumer. It's German. Um, typical German made. Uh, it's, a, it's a thing of it's, it's just thing absolutely of it's a thing of beauty. Um, now with some uh, ideas for peninsulas um, in that one corner area, oftentimes we've used uh, a cabinet that uh, you access from the the open side of the peninsula instead of the in interior corner, and we found that that works quite well for a lot of people. You can't have a drawer at the top because of your counter overtang if you're going to have seating there. Yes. Um, so typically drawers with maybe some pullouts or something inside work the best, but. Yeah. Um, I like that option just because. It yeah, it's a good option, especially if you're facing a dining area. Or whatever. Yeah, and you can put a whole bunch yeah. of like linens and whatever in there. Um, now the upper corner units. Um, there's all kinds of options there as well. Uh, often you see like a 45 degree angled cabinet. There could be an L-shaped uh, cabinet with hinged doors, allowing for you know fuller access. Um, a trend these days is to have an open shelving situation in the corner. Uh, and then of course, getting back into some appliances, uh, and I did say that we're going to get into more uh, in depth into appliance in a, a different episode, but different appliance integration uh, options abound. Um, so you can camouflage your dishwasher or your fridge into your kitchen, have panels and things that sort of make it disappear. And um, along the way, with all of these different options, uh, sometimes our clients ask us for random things as far as personalization and detailing. Yes. Um, we've had a whole bunch of different requests over the years, and yep. some of the fun ones were with that the mug drawer. Yeah, one of my favorite kitchens. Um, love that kitchen. Um, but they had a quirky thing. They had a mug collection, well, kind of like I do. One of his mugs was uh, slightly taller than all the other ones, so we had to customize one of the drawers so it would fit this one mug. Yeah, we had to use different hardware as um, well. Use different hardware because that. unfortunately with the undermount ones, I couldn't get that extra half inch, so I do it a side mount there. Yep. Still self closing, uh, but that allowed the uh, well that the one, that one mug that one mug to go <laughs> in. Um, and then I think that we had another client, and um, they had two requests actually. They had this really beautifully decorated fancy bowl that they wanted to see as a visual element and they wanted an open cabinet above the fridge yeah, with a little light in, little light in it to yeah. you know Shine highlight that and, and then they also had a um an old uh piece of furniture yeah that they wanted to incorporate for their sink yeah we turned uh, it into a sink unit. cabinet yeah. the, the drawers and everything that, that ended up at the bottom that were in it were completely useless at the end with all the plumbing in yeah. there but you know from a visual standpoint it was yeah, the door pretty went. effective yeah that was good um and how about uh Different things for mixers and espresso machines and, yep. you know, 
oftentimes we ask people like what is it you're going to be putting on your counter so we can make sure that the upper cabinets you know there's space enough for that mixer or a Vitamix or yeah. whatever to slide underneath so you're not you know a quarter of an inch too, too yeah. short yeah I've had that we've uh, also had a lot of things for pets um, we've had um, bins for dog food where you just tip it out and there's a scoop in there so they can uh, scoop it out you don't have to take the lid off every time it's just in a little well it's in essence like a drawer but it tips out instead yeah. of pulling out because yeah. of the weight and also allowing room for the like bowls little, like little niches under things for yeah. the, the, the food and water bowls yeah. Yeah. with upper cabinets too um, a way to add some detailing or interest there would be to put some glass panels in and there's a variety of options for the, the glass itself yeah, we've uh, a lot of people want to display things in the kitchen out of the light. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Traditionally, you'd have a, a clear glass, which is easy. Uh, but some people want to match uh, maybe stained glass or leaded glass in their house. So we've had people um, customize glass to to match the existing. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, even you did. Too long ago, we've used two panes of clear glass, and you can get decorative paper, for example, and put it in between two. Yeah. And you get a, a neat look uh, of, say, a paper look, say, Japanese paper of some sort, uh, but you can clean it because it's glass. So, in a kitchen, that's important. All right, so here's a pro tip for you, too. You want to keep in mind your storage needs as you consider each cabinet and how you might populate them. And after the cabinetry design is sorted, I suggest that clients actually write on the plans what they anticipate living where to be sure that nothing has been overlooked. So thanks for joining us today. And be sure to listen to upcoming episodes in this series for more bite-sized info on all of the elements that go into renovating your drab to dream kitchen. A kitchen as renovation is definitely worth considering having a contractor on the job, so I encourage you to jump back and listen to our foundation series where we talk about finding and collaborating with a contractor. And if you're ready to take the next steps, we are, of course, happy to consult with you on your dream kitchen. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.